So we are grateful for that very special name, the name of Jesus Christ, and it means something very important to us. Because he lives, Jesus said, you shall live also. And we are grateful for that resurrection hope and that presence that is with us always. We um, continue to have our services at uh, 10 o'clock for another two Sundays, right? One Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday, and then we change to our winter hours, uh, 9.45 and 10.45, so all of our services will change, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. So we'll look forward to that, keep that in mind. While you're watching, you turn it on, and I'm not there, just wait a little while. <laughs> so um, if you have a contribution you would like to make to the church, uh, make your checks out to Winber Assembly and mail them to Box 361, Winber, PA, 15963, uh, Box 361, Wimber 15963. And your, your contributions, your gifts, I know God will bless you and bless your faithfulness. This, this morning, the title of my lesson or my sermon is Desperate. <laughs> Desperate. Now, <clears throat> I, don't know, um, I don't know what uh, um, political affiliations, you know, we may have. But no matter which side we listen to, there is this desperation and uh, that the other side is completely off the wall or something. But and it, they, they are, I don't know, I don't want to go so much into that direction, but I want us to be realizing that we, as Christians, we need to pray. We, there needs to be a desperation in our lives about praying for God's decisions and God's direction for our nation and for our leaders. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us to pray for those who are in charge, those who are ruling over us, so that it would go well with us. So it is our responsibility to pray for our leaders and pray for those who, this, this election and the, the people who are um, the candidates that are coming before us, we need to pray that God's will would be accomplished and that no matter which side, we pray that God's will is accomplished. And so we pray for peace in our nation and peace in our world. So desperate, desperate. Do we know what it is to be desperate? You know, um, the, the definition of it is feeling, showing, or involving a hope, <clears throat> excuse me, a hopeless sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible to deal with. That a situation is so bad it's impossible to deal with. Desperate. <laughs> you know, and that whenever we have a song that we sing, God, I'm desperate for you. And the idea is that this, my life needs your help. I need you in here, I need you with me in all of this. And Sometimes we take, I think, we take it for granted that, well, God's here, we'll just do what's, what, what comes up and we'll see what happens. Well, I, I believe that God is wanting us to pray about everything. In everything give thanks, but in everything pray. Bring it before the Lord. And remember that in giving thanks, we're not thanking God for the, the situation that happened that's, you know, that has been hurtful and painful. We're thanking God that the outcome will be good for us. And so the good that will bring honor and glory to God. So being thankful is a position of hope. <clears throat> ah, so I can't talk this morning. Ah, someone's praying for me that I have a short sermon. That's what it is. 
Desperate, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate for something to keep me going. So, but, um, so there is a, um, I forgot where I was going here. But anyhow, there is this uh, situations that are so bad as to be impossible to deal with. And in our lives, we sometimes think that each situation just is, as it just evolves and it's going to happen one way or the other. But we are where we are because we chose to be here. Whatever we've, we've found to do in our life and what has accomplished, we've chosen. You know, if somebody, <laughs> I always use the story, if, um, if you're, you're sitting down on, uh, on Main Street in whatever community you're in and you have a brand new car and you're sitting in the passenger side and you're holding a sign out, will somebody please take me for a ride? <laughs> and they get in the car and start driving, and they're going wherever they want, and you say, well, I don't want to go this way. It's tough. You, you told me to drive. I'm going where I want. And we complain, well, you're not going where I told you to go. Well, you're in charge of your life. You're behind the steering wheel of your life, and you're not to allow anyone <laughs> to drive your vehicle but you. Because when life is over... We're going to stand before God. What have we done with our life? Where have we taken ourselves? We had a friend in college. Um, she was a beautiful redhead. And she would, uh, there was a Corvette convertible sitting outside the dormitory. And she's out there sitting in the passenger side. We say, well, what are you doing? She says, I'm waiting for him to come back. I want them to take me for a ride. <laughs> it was just, you know, that was just her. And uh, he took her for a ride around the block, and it was fine. It wasn't nothing negative. It was in the late 60s, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it wasn't nothing negative or bad. He took her for a little ride around the block and so on. But, you know, that was just, that was just her. She was a just, you know, vibrant person who became a teacher. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, there's a connection then between obedience and reward. That, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, the, wor the world's against me. I, you know, everything's going wrong for us. What, well, what decisions have we made? Often the decisions we made, put, play, often the decisions that we make place us in positions for what happens. You know, we can't blame the world for everything that goes wrong. We have a responsibility to be wise enough. We spoke about that last week, wisdom. We have a responsibility to learn from our own experiences. And you know what? You can't have enough experiences to teach you everything. So you have to listen to the teachings and listen to what other people have to say so that you can gain understanding and so that you're able to know where if you proceed down this path, this is what's going to happen. Okay? If you walk down the railroad track long enough, a train's going to come. <laughs> You know, if you lay out in the middle of the road, soon enough a car is coming. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you make decisions and then we have something that comes after it. So when we're laying in the middle of the street and we're desperate, <laughs> you know, I often wonder what God says. David, get up. But I, I, I think I'm supposed to be here. David, get up. Well, what if I don't get up? David, a car's coming. Well, I, I, I think you'll stop the car for me. <laughs> you know, I got faith. <laughs> you know, you know yeah, I have faith, God, that you'll stop the car. 
No, David, get up. <laughs> so that's a time we don't have to pray about it. We just have to know our responsibility to make wise decisions. Well, in Mark chapter 5, we have this situation that is desperate. Jesus went back to the other side of the lake in the boat. So he was on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and there he dealt with the, the demoniac of Gerarach and the wild man of the tombs. And after he had um, cast the, the legion, the demons, out of that man, he then got in, you know, and told the man to stay and go back to the city that he was from and tell the other people what he, Jesus had done for him. So that was his mission. So Jesus then came across the Sea of Galilee, and when he reached the other side, there was a large crowd of people gathered around him on the shore. A leader of the synagogue came. His name was Jairus. He, he saw Jesus and bowed down before him. He begged Jesus again and again. He begged Jesus again and again. He's desperate. He's desperate. Now, <laughs> we... We would think, well, this man, Jairus, he was a ruler of the synagogue. And often, the rulers of the synagogue, they were against Christ. They were against him. They were against what he was teaching. You know, his fellow rulers that he would have their committee meetings with, that they were against Jesus and everything that he stood for. But the situation had changed. He said in verse, uh, saying again and again, My little daughter is dying. Please come, lay your hands on her. Then she will be healed and will live. <laughs> desperate. Sometimes the, the word desperate is uh, overused in the sense that we feel like we're desperate. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm going to have for supper. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where we have to go this week or how far we have to go. Or we're, you know, desperate. These, these situations come up and we're just taking us outside of our comfort zone and, and we're desperate. But that's not the desperation that we're seeing here. The desperation that we're seeing here is life and death. There's, a, there's, there's only one chance left and it's, and it's Jesus. And this man is desperate for this to happen. For Jesus to come. Um, Jesus comforts and or Jesus confronts what Paul had written about. That the last enemy man will, um, the last enemy to be conquered is death. And so Jesus is here and Jairus is there desperate for Jesus to come. And for desperate for him to come and please come and lay your hands on her. Then she will be healed, and she will be well. It's interesting how that they, they, she, he has it figured out. If you will come and lay your hands on her. Now, remember the centurion, he understood authority. And he told Jesus, he says, if you say the word, my servant will be well. <laughs> well, Jesus said, well, I'll come. And he says, no, 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 you don't need to come. I'm a man who understands authority. Jesus, you say the word. My servant will be healed. The authority, and this is where we have to, I think we have to begin or 
continue to understand and grow in our spiritual development that we have to understand authority. Now, the authority here is in the spiritual realm. The authority here is in the realm where Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. He is the one who spoke the world into existence. He is the breath of life. And so here we have Christ, and he has this total authority. He is God, man, and the centurion understands authority. And do we understand authority whenever we begin to speak about the word of God, about the creativity of our words? Sometimes we create things that are very negative. It's never going to work out for me. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I'm going to fail at this. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a bad winter, just positive, you know. Snow's going to come. It's going to get dark at night. Stars are going to come out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's prophetic. Well, <laughs> but we find that it is in these situations that we have to look at things and look at how we say things and look at how we're dealing with them. So Jesus went with Jairus, and many people followed him. So there's this crowd of people following Jesus, and they were pushing and shoving, and they were all over the place with Christ. And then we have verse 25. There among the people was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered very much. Now, here in the crowd is is a lady who has a a woman problem. She's been bleeding. And we say, well, you know, in today's society that, well, you need to go to the doctor and things like that. Well, this woman had gone to the doctors, but she had been suffering many things, not only from physicians, but also from uh, the disease itself and from the idea of her relationships because she was considered unclean and, had, and she had to spend her life outside of the, the, the community. She wasn't allowed to be part of the community. So she not only suffered from her disease, she, she suffered from being excommunicated from her family, her friends, You know, everything she relied on for her previous life had been taken away now for 12 years. She's desperate. (laughs) She's desperate that something would change. And she knows that, she says that many doctors had tried to help her and all the money she had was spent. So there was seemingly nothing left to do. Her money's gone. Her friends and family practically have forgotten her. And now she's out and out of society and, you know, out of work and can't do anything and no one will help her anymore because she's broke. (laughs) But she was not improving. In fact, her sickness was getting worse. (sighs) Desperate. You know, I was reading, uh, Dwight Eisenhower said, a bold heart is half the battle. (laughs) Great general. A bold heart is half the battle. When the woman heard about Jesus, she followed him with the other people and touched his his coat. She thought, if I can just touch his clothes, that will be enough to heal me. The impossible task was to get close enough. Now, here she is, a woman who is basically not supposed to be in the group with men, 
she is, has this uh, bleeding problem, and she's not supposed to be around other, uh, any individuals. And so she, she has this bold heart, and she is going to get through to touch the clothes of Jesus. You see, she has heard, she heard about Jesus. Now, we have a testimony, each one of us. We have something that God has done for us. What do people hear from us? Are, are we an individual that inspires people to follow Jesus? Our, you know, and, and our faith is about inspiring. It's not, it's not about me, it's about Christ. It's not about what I say, but it's about Jesus and what he says. It's his word, but follow, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so the, she, this woman, heard about Jesus, and what did she hear? We're not told what she heard, but she, what she had in her heart was strong enough for, to bring her away from the outside of, leave behind her being cast out of the city, leave behind her bitterness towards people of pushing her aside, of doctors who used up all of her money and now she has nothing. And so she has to overcome all of those difficulties and then she wants to get close to Jesus, but she can't because there's a great crowd of people just pushing all around. Desperate. Situations so bad as to be impossible to deal with. As soon as she touched his coat, her bleeding stopped. <laughs> you see, believing. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. She heard about Jesus, prompted her to action, and she touched him. Now, in one version it talks about he, she touched the hem of his garment. She touched the very bottom of his garment, and, and again, the, the robe would be to the ground. And so she was touching, basically, she's on her hands and knees, maybe on her face, touching, trying to reach out and touch the hem of, of, of Jesus' robe. And what's all going on all, all around her? People crowding and stepping on her. She's being trampled. If this doesn't work, I'm dead. And perhaps that's what she was thinking. I'm going to be healed or I will die in the attempt. She's desperate. <laughs> so as soon as she touched his coat, her bleeding stopped. She felt that her body was healed from all the suffering. So immediately there's something takes place inside of her. She feels, she senses, she knows that it's okay now. My problem, my sickness is over. I'm done. But Jesus immediately felt power go out from him. And you see, whenever we pray, there is, there is the effectual fervent prayer. The fervent prayer, the prayer of you and I has much power. It's like God is the, the, the supplying the current into our life, through our life, to touch the needs of others. And there is a sense and there is a knowing that God is answering our prayers. There is a knowing that God is with us and he hasn't forsaken us. 
that God will touch the people for whom we pray. And it, it is, is something that we've heard. <laughs> and it's something that we are pushing through the doubts while dying, and, and pushing through our own self-doubts that God would do this for me. It's not about me. It's about God working through me. It's about God living in me. It's about God helping me in my situation and how that God is going to work everything to a good because I am searching for God to touch my life the way that this woman touched Jesus and then he touched, his power flew through her. He we touched, I touched the hem of his garment. So Jesus immediately felt power go out from him. So he stopped and he turned around and who touched my clothes? <laughs> now, can you imagine Jairus? His daughter is dying, and Jesus is stopping, and he wants to know who touched him. <laughs> you know, Jesus, we need to keep going. We need to keep moving, you know, trying, he's try, probably trying to push the crowd out of the way so Jesus can get there a little sooner, but Jesus stops. <laughs> and he wants to know who touched me. Now, if, it's, if you've ever been in a crowd of people where people were pushing and shoving around, well, this is what it's depicted here. And he wants to know who touched me. <laughs> and the followers of Jesus, there were so many people pushing against you, but you ask who touched me? His disciples were kind of, kind of Jesus, uh, sorry to tell you, but there's hundreds of people and they've all been touching you. <laughs> but you see, there's a difference between the curious and the desperate. <laughs> there's a difference between the curious and the desperate. Some people were just curious about God. They're just kind of, well, you know, God, can you do this? I didn't do it. <laughs> But the desperate, there's no other solution. There's nothing, left, and there's nothing else left. And if God doesn't help, then nothing can be done. That's desperate. And so these people who are with Jesus and surrounding him there, they, were, they wanted to, you know, see, see the show. What's he going to do now? How's he going to perform a miracle? Is he going to walk on water? Is he going to raise the dead? Let's just see, be close so we don't miss it, you know? Did you see this? Did he say anything? Well... But Jesus continued to look for the one who touched him. Now, the, the, the most important thing is here, he looked for the one who touched him because it was important for the lady. It was important for her to be made clean, that everybody that was standing around would know that she was healed, that she wouldn't need to spend another moment outside of the city waiting for the proper time to come to the priest and allow the priest to pronounce her clean. Jesus wanted her to be pronounced clean right there at that moment. He was not trying to point her out to make a, a bad situation. He was wanting to point her out so that she would not need to spend another moment outside of the camp. <laughs> the woman knew that she was healed. So she, what did she do? She came and bowed at Jesus' feet. She was shaking with fear, as if she had done something wrong. 
it's often people who are desperate and they find the answer and there, there's like, they did, she did something wrong. She touched him. She shouldn't have touched him, you know. She told Jesus the whole story. And he said, dear woman, you are made well because you believe. You see, when we combined what we have heard about Jesus and his healing, about his word, when we combined what we have heard about his word, and we combined it with our need, our problem, our desperation, it is in that moment that we are believing that we are going to pray and ask God for this, and our belief is that God will deliver, heal, strengthen, and in an act of desperation, we, by faith, touch him. That's what we find in this woman, this act of desperation. And we cannot forget Jairus. He's desperately wanting Jesus to come and, and, and pray and touch his daughter. Verse 35, And so while Jesus was still there speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader, and they said, Your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher. Here's the clash of two realities. The reality of faith, the reality of trust in Jesus, and the reality that her, his daughter has died. Jesus did not care what the men said. Now, there's times in which we have to just let what people say go. Okay? Now, I'm not saying every time somebody disagrees with you, disagree with them and let it go. No. <laughs> but here... Jesus knew what was going on, just like he knew what was going on with Lazarus. You know, they sent for Lazarus, they sent Jesus to come and, and, and heal Lazarus. And Jesus didn't go. And his disciples said, Jesus, why aren't we going to, to see Lazarus? Why aren't we going to Bethany? And he said, Well, he's sleeping. Oh, it's good, he's resting. He said, no, he's dead. <laughs> he had already died, and so Jesus waited four days before he went. See, they had a healing in mind. Jesus had a resurrection in mind. And here, he says, don't be afraid, just believe. Desperation sometimes can create fear. Fear that something is really going to be wrong, and we can never get out of it once this happens. Jesus let only Peter, James, and John the brother of James, go with him. Now, this is important. If we have friends who don't believe, who tear down our belief system, who reject our faith in Jesus Christ, who want us to do things that we know are wrong in the sight of God, we need to dismiss those people from our life. We can still make them acquaintances and things, but they're not to be our friends. Because our friends are to be those who will build us up in our faith, and we will build them up in their faith. And it's important that our faith grow stronger and grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus is going to come back for his church. <laughs> Trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. The return of Jesus Christ is coming. 
whether we believe it or not, whether it's been going on for 2,000 years, but you know what? We're closer today than we were yesterday, and the situations in our world around us point to the fact that the return of Jesus Christ is coming. <laughs> and so there is a hope in our heart and there is an understanding in our life that we need to be ready should Jesus come back. <laughs> so we need to look at the people who are close to us. Verse 38, they went to the synagogue leader's home where Jesus saw many people crying loudly. Now, at that time, there were mourners or paid mourners, and it would, they were just creating, well, it says there was a lot of confusion. Have you ever been, um, you know, I, I've been in places where people die, whether it's been in the emergency room or in people's homes and, you know, and in some places there's just a lot of confusion, chaos, just, you know, going on. And, you, you, you know, the first thing you, first thing you do is to go in and you create peace. <laughs> you bring the chaos to a close. You stop the confusion. You know, what are we going to do now? What has happened? You talk through what is just taking place. You don't let the confusion go. We've been, I mean, some, I remember one funeral we walked into and the people were just screaming. I mean, screaming. And I thought, my gosh, what has happened? And it was the people we were going to visit. And it's like, oh God, what am I going to do? And they were not crying, they were screaming, you know, laying on the floor and it's like, okay, Let's go, let's, let's, let's bring peace here. Took a little bit, but we brought it to peace and, and got everybody to calm down and, and begin to deal with what had taken place. Well, Jesus is here in this, this leader's house, and there was a lot of confusion. And he entered the house and said, why are you people crying? Now, that doesn't sound like a way of bringing peace, you know? Hey, all you, all you people are screaming and yelling and wailing. What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you crying? Making so much of a fuss. <laughs> this child is dead. That's what, they, that's what we're crying about is dead. Jesus says, she's only sleeping. <sighs> but everyone laughed at him. The challenge of belief is that when we state our faith, that we know God is going to do his work and his will, there are people who will laugh at that. That should not change the direction of our life. Because we were talking about this, I think it was on Wednesday, the, 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 the church, the Christians, we are an irritant <laughs> to the people who are ungodly. See, some people just get irritated by you walking in the door. <laughs> Some people, like, you know, I may walk into some people, they have a real reason to be irritated, but, you know, most of us don't. Most of you don't. But, you know, there's this irritation going on because there's a conflict of spirits. Spirit of God and the spirit of, it could be the spirit, human spirit or something else. But there is this confrontation. But everyone laughed at him. Verse 40. Jesus told the people to leave the house. There's a time to get doubters out of your life. <laughs> There's a time that we are to tell people to leave. And especially people who are 
against your beliefs and against who you are as a person, you just have to dismiss them. And you have to let them go. The people who were laughing at Jesus and saying, she's not dead, she's, she, she's not sleeping, she's dead, and you're, you're just nuts. Jesus told them to get out. <laughs> you have to leave. Then he went into the room where the child was. Now, <laughs> it's important for us that we face the difficulties that we've wanted people to, you know, okay? You, want to go, you need to go because we need to deal with this in a healing way. We need to deal with this in a way that is healing for the family and for everyone that is here. And those of you who are laughing and, 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 a pro, and, and being scornful to this whole thing, you need to step out. He brought the child's father, the mother, and his three fellows into the room with him. His three closest friends, the mother and the father, the people who were most desperate and most supportive. The people who were most desperate and those who were most supportive. He took them into the room. Then Jesus held the girl's hand. Talia, come. Little girl, stand up. Imagine that. They're laughing at him a few moments earlier, and now he brings life back to this child. Because the giver of life has the authority to speak life. And where Jesus is, there is life and there is eternal life. People may die, but they may, if they belong to God, they're just in another place living on with Christ. And in our life, we come and we speak the word of Jesus and we take hold of the, the difficulty, we take hold of the problem, we take hold of the situation, and we speak life to that situation. And you see, we get rid of the people, <laughs> the, the mourners and the screamers and the confusion people. We take the, the desperate and we take the ones who are the most supportive and we include them in our prayers and we take that group of prayers, one with another, praying for something, someone, an event. That's our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the word of God, and the word made flesh and dwelt among us is Jesus Christ, and as we speak his word, there is life in that word, because there is life in Jesus. And the girl immediately stood up and began walking. She was 12 years old. I like how the scripture includes her age. The father and mother and the followers were amazed. Jesus gave the father and the mother strict orders not to tell people about this. Then he told them to give the girl some food to eat. Now, you know, the reason he's saying, it's not my time for all of this to, for my ministry and everything to, to go to a certain level. And he's saying, telling the people, don't make a big deal out of this. For, you know, for now, you don't have to make a big deal out of this. My time is coming, but it's not just here yet. He didn't say, my, time isn't, my time's not here yet. We'll just let the little girl dead. <laughs> no. He says, my, even though my time is not here, 
She needs, you, your faith is what has drawn me to here, to touch her, to call her to life. And so in our prayers, whatever they may be, for whomever they may be, we call and we ask God to come to where we are at and we are touching that which is before us, the need before our lives. And we're asking Jesus to speak life and healing and strength and recovery and hope into this situation. Can we do that? Jesus, here we are, gathering our hearts together, and each one of us touching some very real situation in our lives. Whether it's life and death, whether it's open doors or closed doors, whether it's family members who are lost. Whatever the problem may be for our nation and for our leaders, for the election, that which is before us, God, we speak peace and life and that your will be accomplished in all of these things, that it might be well with you, well with us. So God, we thank you for hearing our prayer. And so, as you said to the little girl, get up, stand up. So, Lord, we say to our problem, stand up. Be well. Come together. Open the door. God, we thank you for the supplying of every need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'm desperate for you. Amen. Amen.